0: We've had the media essentially looking for what is their identity in a post-Trump world. Uh, we've seen CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, essentially kind of continue just to look back at January 6th, continue to uh, you know focus on that whether, you know, the fight over the commission, all these things. I've said, you know, I'm for, I'm for a commission. It's fine you know, great. Uh, I don't think it needs to, you know, it it merits uh, 24-7 media coverage. Um, And other than that, you know, a little coverage on the mass shootings, not exactly challenging politicians per se, just covering it. Uh, But they're not really talking about uh, the economic elephant in the room. Uh, Obviously, Biden and the Democrats totally uh, fooled you on, oh, coronavirus treatment's going to be free. Uh, You don't have to pay for it. Biden said that during the Democratic primary. We're seeing more and more horror stories out there where people are, you know, million dollar bills uh, in the hospital uh, from being hospitalized. But now that the pandemic's kind of uh, overish, uh, the eviction moratorium is over uh, in just a few weeks at the end of June. Every state is different. Some states have longer moratoriums, but the federal eviction moratorium, which is really what landlords have to uh, are supposed to oblige by, um, is over at the end of June. Uh, CNBC article here uh, says basically you have more than 11 million Americans are behind on their rent and many could be pushed from their homes when the national eviction ban expires in June. Uh, This is the CDC's uh, moratorium, which has been in effect since September, uh, which will lift on June 30th. Uh, The policy has been far from perfect at keeping renters housed. It's reduced It's reduced the normal number of evictions filed over the same time period. Uh, Experts say the number of evictions could skyrocket when the ban lifts around 15% of adult renters are not current on their housing payments, according to an an analysis by the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. Quote, we're going to see what we've been managing to stave off this wave of evictions that is just going to crush some of these areas, said John Pollack, coordinator of the National Coalition for Civil Rights Council. And, you know. We have had, Steve, uh, dating back all the way to the first coronavirus stimulus, um, rental relief that was supposed to go directly to uh, tenants and landlords. But as many outlets, uh, well, not many, but few outlets have reported, uh, it, it was designed as a bureaucratic nightmare, just like the state unemployment systems have been designed. So if you look at, and this is from Vox, you know, credit to these outlets who have you know, the few outlets that have been reporting on the looming evictions. If you look at Vox, um, let's look at the, just the distribution of this. Um, uh, Georgia's department of community affairs told me that it has distributed more than 4 million in rental assistance, assistance funding to landlords and tenants. The state has received over 552 million. Oh, but wow. <laughs> 552 million. They've doled out 4 million. Delaware, Joe Biden's uh, neighborhood there, State Housing Authority uh, said it distributed 40,000.02% of its allocated funds. Idaho Housing and Finance Association, 6.1 million of the 175 million they've received. Colorado, 2.8 million has been approved from the 247 million it received. Arizona shows 4.38 million has been sent out, 289 million it received. Where the hell is this money going, Steve? I, man, that's
1: worse than I even thought. I, I almost I almost wish you didn't show me that, man. It, it this this makes it worse because what you've got is not necessarily a Biden uh, he hasn't sent money out there. It's there. They're not distributing it. So that's a distribution problem at the edge, at the local level. So, I mean, somebody's screwing up at the at the federal level. They need to be auditing the shit out of this, and they need to be making sure that those payments get out to Jane and Joe Q public. Because I can tell you right now, people I know, they're biting their nails like you wouldn't believe. As soon as they started opening up the economy, as soon as you started seeing the people taking their masks off, the meat grinder began. And this is just the next phase, and it is going to be brutal. And it isn't just renters, man. you got mortgage people, too, that were in forbearances, you name it. And, and the tsunami is going to be epic. And, and unfortunately, as you know, many, 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 many people, when Joe Biden finally accepted the nomination, went back into hibernation for another four years. So the numbers that we need, the people that we need to push this forward, we have trimmed that number way down because we thought it was better to have
0: a frenemy than a straight up enemy. And here we go. First of all, first of all, We'll get to kind of this audit and the bigger uh, scam of just because the government says it's sending money towards things doesn't mean the money actually goes to that. That's why in the HEROES Act, when they said we desperately need money for state and local governments, I said, well, pause for a second. I could tell you, go ask the people of Flint. $180 million went towards uh, the relief of the people of Flint. Go ask the people of Flint how much of that money actually went to them, Okay. That is one of the biggest scams of neoliberal um, administrative state. They earmark money towards X, Y, and Z, and it usually does not go And, and uh, towards the recipients and ends up being uh, diverted to donors, NGOs, nonprofits, real estate, I digress. But I wanted to ask you, you know, Biden has power as the president. He could do an executive action tomorrow to say you cannot be evicted uh, in any state. Uh, due to hardship from coronavirus, uh, and have a program in place to to not, like, direct payments uh, for tenants and landlords, because not every landlord is Goldman Sachs. Uh, you have, you know, normal, everyday people that uh, need to pay their mortgages that rent. Um, so he has the power, but there's been no talk among Biden, the Democratic Party. It's all been about moratoriums, but I always said, what happens when the music stops? Yeah, we're all sitting out, we're on the outside looking in, man. And
1: your your life is literally in someone else's hands in this case. They they're not talking about it. And you can see how quickly the Medicare for All conversation stopped happening. You can see that student debt stopped happening. All these things that directly help regular people stopped happening. And the reason why Biden is not doing any executive order towards whether it be student debt relief or mortgage moratorium like mortgage re uh you know fixing that shit the the arrears on that and getting the rent right is because it directly affects people and that is not what his game is his game is to directly help businesses and then if it helps people through trickle down then so be it. But he's not going to trickle it up. He's going to literally always trickle it down. And as you've seen, that money doesn't make it where it's supposed to go to. And there's no, in fact, I think they even completely had it written in that there would be no oversight, there would be no audit in the initial corona stuff that Trump put forward. So you can expect that same level of non-transparency to continue as people literally end up jumping out of freaking roofs and jumping out of buildings because they don't know what to do with themselves life
0: gets pretty hopeless when you don't have any cash and when you're like this excuse my french you know call me old-fashioned steve i know we live in the united corporations of america but shouldn't there be some attention paid or coverage of that this was a pandemic and there's no way for people to pay the money back in a lot of cases. I think that number that CNBC is quoting, 11 million, is undercounted. I'm sure it's it's more than 11 million. Uh, Biden ran on you know a lot of uh, we're gonna heal the world, racial <laughs> um, you know atone for our sins with black and brown people. If you look at the communities, particularly in New York, uh, it is black and brown communities that have the highest eviction rates. Like. The landlords already have the eviction notices in there. They're just waiting for the for the moratorium to lift. So can't even though it's you know a couple of weeks towards can't there be a pressure campaign to say, uh, hey, uh, you know I I believe in modern monetary theory and I have the right guy here, but under the prism that they're talking, hey, you're getting out of Afghanistan, spend that money, uh, pay pay the landlords directly for the back pay, call it a wash. We're not kicking anybody out. Wait, can't there be a pressure campaign? Uh, among progressives? Uh, uh, you know.
1: <laughs> well, or, or... I got to tell you, the problem with the idea of a progressive campaign is is that you can see clearly most progressives don't talk to MMT people. They just don't. They, they, they literally don't. Hey, I got an economist over here. He said what I wanted to hear. So, hey, that's enough for me. They're not listening. They don't want to hear the bad news, the good news. They don't want to hear the solutions. And I'm not sure whether it's just a... Hey, this is a new paradigm. I'm not used to it, so I can't hear that. Or if it's somebody has perverted their minds to believe that somehow or another we're not giving you the straight skinny. But the fact of the matter is, is that every single one of these things Joe Biden has been advised of, I guarantee has been advised of by people like Kelton and the others on that transition team, that he can go big and go big often and he could in fact do these things. So I know he knows he could. I know he knows he could on the student debt stuff as well. I know he knows these things, but he's choosing not to because politically, ideologically, he is a neoliberal. He is a Wall Street guy and the people that are surrounding him are Wall Street people. And so the idea again, in any way, shape or form of direct payments to people is is the last thing he wants to do. And unfortunately, getting progressives degree on, to agree on whether the sky is blue or purple is like uh, almost a bridge too far right now. Too much division, too much insane division. And uh, so putting a pressure campaign on, maybe a small cadre of people that are you know, ready to take it on. But a lot of folks, the minute you tell them something that their ears don't want to hear, it's done. There's no chance of getting together and making people work together in that way. We're seeing this with the state-by-state Medicare-for-all fight, trying to explain the difference between a currency issuer and a currency user, and their heads are exploding. We're bad guys. We're right-wingers. We're naysayers, blah, blah, blah. So when you look at something as important as rent and mortgage relief and debt relief, getting progressives to agree on how to solve that problem – they think all I did. They woke up at a, at a Holiday Inn, and so now all of a sudden they know economics. And 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 unfortunately, that's literally what we're up against right now in terms of getting any kind of motion um, in the field, in the street,
0: you name it. It's going to be a real challenge. It doesn't. It doesn't. What it doesn't matter what the case is. There is no human decency left. There is no politicians. Uh, there is no politicians that are demanding uh, and fighting for what is right. It is wrong uh, to toss people out on the street who lost their jobs because of a a pandemic that they had nothing to do with, but we have a Democratic Party pretending that it's building back better and the soul of America. You got Biden in Tulsa today pretending, you know, he's going to do something about uh, race relations when, you know, he's done a lot that has harmed race relations. And, And the other thing is, To me, all these people that are going to be evicted, all these people uh, that are basically up shit's creek. I mean, what happens to these people? You want to talk about uh, expanding the opioid epidemic? You want to talk about suicides? You want to talk about? um, You know, I I was just in San Francisco at the end of my uh, at the end of my um, honeymoon, and it was a way worse problem with homelessness than even three years ago when I was there. Uh, You're basically gonna have human beings uh throughout the country um living on the streets with their families yet the democratic party is going to be pushing in front of your face marjorie taylor green trump's <laughs> the threats of a coup as the biggest threat it just seems to me there is no actual urgency and there's a lot of gaslighting going on that this is okay yeah all, all this republican pointing thing I mean, you go back to
1: when Donald Trump was not even elected yet and they had already started this plan because it was the only way to give cover to Hillary Clinton's piss poor campaign Um, and that Russia stuff and all the other gaslighting to keep us focused on anything other than Julian Assange's leaked emails that showed how bad they are. And it's just been a nonstop charade to keep us distracted from these things and and right here right now i fully expect i don't know how they'll do it uh, as bad as trump is i i fully expect them to somehow or another find a way to make this a a finger-pointing session with the republicans why all these people are homeless why all these people are uh, you know, struggling etc i i i fully expect that 100 i i don't think that they're going to change and it's a shame because you're looking around you're like yo squad yo progressive caucus uh, they Progressive caucus Pramila Jayapal gave Joe Biden like an A-plus rating for his first 100 days. Now, as Mike Figueroa said, he was like, you know, you can't get a more whacked uh, rating from somebody who's supposed to be the opposition to corporate Democrats and Pramila Jayapal. But instead, she's given the man an A-plus rating. So that tells you all you need to know. About the squad and about the progressive caucus in terms of fighting back against Biden's inaction, in in ineffectiveness, and unwillingness to spend money at the bottom up. And they're silent. They're, they're dead silent. And and they're, they're focusing on new subjects. And none of those subjects amount
0: to somebody staying in their home, unfortunately. They're, 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 they don't give a shit. Can you talk about from an MMT point of view how easy and how simple would it be to just directly pay uh landlords um for you know whatever back pay is owed um as well as you know for um a lot of a lot of people who have been able to pay their rent but have uh accumulated debt elsewhere how would that work out what would be the mechanism uh where tenants could stay and direct payment would come yeah, so from an MMT perspective, these are the most
1: boring conversations. People like, is that all? Is is that the end of the conversation? It really is the simple. I mean, Joe Biden can either write a an executive order that staves off any of these things. He could write an order saying, period, no, there will be no uh, rent checks uh, from the you know people. They won't have to pay back debt or whatever. Um, he won't do that. From a congressional perspective, they were to pass a law, all they have to do is vote yes, and the money is spent into existence, every bit of it. We talked about this with Pavlina Treneva about a right to a job during the pandemic and nationalizing payroll to keep everyone home and paid and to keep those businesses flush so that when we did land back down and reopen, that nobody would be in a hole. Um, Nobody wanted to hear that. And, and I think, quite frankly, it's just that simple. It really is pass a bill, spend the money into existence, done. It's that done. It, but it's so easy that people's heads explode when you say it. it. It really is that simple. There is no nothing whatsoever preventing them from doing even more than what we're talking. We're, we're like groveling at this point. Like, please just give me some Skittles. Please just give me a chunk of dial. Please. I mean, they're we're begging. And they're given us absolutely nothing. So it just shows you from, we could do so much. I mean, outrageous and we could pay people's houses off if we wanted to. Um, but instead we're not going to do anything. So it's, you know, from an MMT perspective, this is super brutal because you know how absolutely simple it would be to solve and it's not happening. It's not going to happen either. Yeah. When, whenever you spend money, Okay, money spent. That's a flow. And so, whenever you spend money on things, yes, you can create inflationary conditions. There's no question about it having money growth and having money spent on different things will in and of itself not necessarily cause inflation. It's just a distribution thing when you've got everybody having more money and suddenly they're able to do more with it. It's not necessarily that there's all this money. It's, it's about how many people have that money and how much demand they have inside themselves that they'd like to exact with that money. But in this case, what we're talking about is just making sure that the old debt the old debt doesn't come and bite these people in the butt. We're not talking about uh, giving them new money. We're basically saying that money that you were afraid
0: you know, th- that was going to hit you, we're not going to let it hit you right now. Talking about a scam and an audit, uh, the New York Times reported California has only paid out $1 million of $355 million requested by tenants and landlords. So, you know, I don't believe we should have done it this way in the first place. We should have done direct stimulus like a debit card, UBI, whatever you want to call it, to tenants rather than, you know, 500 different programs. Uh, if you read in Vox and other places, half the time people don't even know it's available to them. Half the time people don't know when the deadlines are. They miss the deadlines. The applications are shut down. But where is all this money that was spent? You only hear, and the campaign ads will out there uh we acted swiftly democrats you know under biden gave uh 25 billion in rental assistance you're not going to see the headlines apparently most of it went into an empty vault uh, or (laughs) now a full vault the money has not been distributed um and you know there's there's no talk about it there's no calls for an audit there's no calls for uh well if the money hasn't been distributed Maybe we should just switch it up right now and just give the money straight to the people.
1: So let me ask you, a qu- and I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I don't know the answer to this question I'm about to ask you. When it comes down to the money, is this money that was earmarked for these locations that is only spent as needed, or is this money that was literally sent to these jurisdictions and is sitting there that they then distribute?
0: Most that's of the, the, most a, of the
1: logistical question, I don't know.
0: Most of the examples I just read to you have, have already been sent. That's ridiculous uh, but, but not distributed um so there's just money just sitting there yeah the states were focused on the actual pandemic and lowering the cases and stopping the spread and all that but you know states have treasury departments too states have you know financial departments uh it just seems like a lot of these programs including unemployment by the way are designed to fail um and yeah you could say well maybe biden did do his job and the money went out no not if it's a Cob, uh, a disaster, a disastrous maze that people can't get the money. And I just I just say um, I think these programs are uh, intended to fail. Uh,
1: look, look, I'm, I want ahead. to tell you something super important to me. This is the most important most folks. I hope if you can ride with me just for a second to, to get through this, I, I promise you this is going to start making some sense. If you look at like Detroit, Michigan before Flint's water problem, even OK, Flint had been really in receivership. They had been taking the important uh, museum artifacts and all the history of Detroit and literally selling it off for piece parts to try and make up for their debts. You have that same exact scenario going on in Puerto Rico. You have Pittsburgh back in the day when the steel mills shut. That was a complete rust town. You have Buffalo, same exact thing. And you've got the entire rust belt where jobs have left. Businesses have left, and all you have is people sitting there like fish on the, uh, on the shoreline, flapping away, getting ready to die in the sun. And, and that right there is called the race to the bottom, where states like Texas and states like Kansas will lure these businesses down. Why does this all matter right here, right now with what we're talking about? Most states have been literally robbing Peter to pay Paul to try and stay solvent. They've got their pension funds going on. you got places like Pennsylvania that are stuck with this Marcella Shale Company doing fracking to try to pay for public services. So, flash forward to a pandemic, you've got these big monies being spent to the states, being handed to them, and these states are saying for the last 40 years, you have starved us with austerity. our our roads are falling apart if you do just a basic cursory review of state and local bridges they're all rated like c and d they're not even i mean many of them are take your life into your own hands and not to be too you know hyperbolic but our whole infrastructure from our energy grid you name it has fallen apart because states have been highly dependent on tax revenues to survive And you look at the school systems even. The school systems are dependent on those rich people that live in their jurisdiction and the taxes that they pay. Well, what happens when you don't have those revenues coming in? These states are screwed. So the minute you put that money there, if it wasn't encumbered with an exact, it must go here or you don't get it. And they did not do that. In fact, that was one of the big things was that they could spend that money and there would be no accountability. But without encumbering those dollars to make those states do, you must provide housing relief with this 50 million. You must provide health care with this 25 million, whatever. If they're not going to physically audit that and make that happen, it will not happen because the states are literally belly up. And I can tell you right now in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, you've got had a $600 million shortfall for the state. And they're like, what do we do? We don't know what to do. Do we? How do we raise taxes? What do we do? And the schools are falling. There's so much decay as a result of the states not having enough revenue from taxes. And so this is where the federal money, we really need to focus on where the money comes from. It's not the states. It's the federal government. And without that constant infusion from the federal government, the states are left to make a lot of bad choices. And when you have things that could benefit the people, like helping them out with their mortgage or their rent, that doesn't necessarily compute when they've been sitting there taking out bonds and everything else to keep government funded and flowing and keep roads so that they're drivable. And they're like, hey, you know what, we're going to go ahead and take that money and we're going to use it for these other things that have been bankrupt in the state now forever. And so this is the real story. And I hope folks pay attention to that race to the bottom, because it's also the thing that's going to stand in the way of people trying to get state-based Medicare. And there's a lot of folks out there with good hearts and good intentions, but are absolutely economically illiterate and do not understand the implications of making such a move. That race to the bottom, folks, it is very real. Remember Rick Perry raising his hand bragging about how they were bringing businesses down to Texas? You know, he just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. He'd steal another headquarters out of a state, and that whole tax base dries up as it leaves, and then there's Texas laughing their way all the way through. And they're still cutting their own uh, services. In the major metropolitan areas, Texas is beautiful. But out in the suburbs, there's people are living just as bad as they were in Kansas so I, I think it's really important to focus on this is a bigger problem than just the moratorium ending and just the unemployment ending. This is the full state-based race to the bottom, and it's going to be dog-eat-dog,
0: dog, and it's going to be brutal. Jen did a live stream on Sunday on the Tulsa massacre, which was one of the biggest race massacres in American history. Uh, so Biden went there today, Biden, who you know created the crime bill. Uh, helped push militarized weaponry to police departments, uh, helped incentivize more prisons being built through the crime bill for uh, Black people to be housed in, uh, paled around with segregationist Strom Thurmond during the 1970s. Um, So this is what Biden, this is who Biden is. He's the one going down to Tulsa to mark the 100-year anniversary of the Tulsa massacre, uh, which was, you know, they call it, said was Black Wall Street. Well, guess what? Uh, let me show you this story. Uh, when asked point blank, you know, should he apologize maybe uh, for uh, the, the Tulsa massacre? He dodged. Uh, Joe Biden on Tuesday dodged questions about whether there should be a presidential apology for the 1921 Tulsa race massacre as the survivors demand reparations. Biden didn't respond to shouted questions as he toured the Greenwood Cultural Center, examining an exhibition on the massacre that left around 300 dead. You're right, it was a massacre, Biden says, as he walked around uh, the center. The exhibit contained black and white historical photos and newspaper pages related to the massacre. There was a large painting depicting people walking down a street with their hands in the air. A poster reads, Remembering Black Wall Street. After the tour, Biden went to meet with three living survivors. Hugh Van Ellis Sr., Leslie Bedingfield Randall, and Viola Fletcher, ages 101 to 107. Biden's silence on the apology came after the White House declined to say if Biden supported reparations for victims of the Tulsa massacre after a star-studded anniversary memorial was canceled over the issue. So, literally, the President of the United States can't say… Yes, I, as the president, apologize for one of the biggest race massacres in American history. This is ridiculous. It is obscene. But Biden's FDR, the New York Times is. But Biden's FDR, CNN tells us. But Biden's FDR, Washington Post tells us. This is why, you know, during the campaign – When people like Puff Daddy or P. Diddy, whatever his name is, and other black leaders were saying, uh, What are you actually gonna give us? We need to. I'm a white person, so I'm not telling black people how to think. But if you remember, black leaders, pop culture, music, um, were saying, uh, Yeah, no, the days of just automatically giving you our vote, giving you our vote, uh, and you coming to churches during election time, but doing jack shit when you're in office, those are over. And Biden, frankly, the reason he got in, The reason he won was because of black people coming out in Atlanta, which won in Georgia, which because of black people coming out in Detroit, won in Michigan, because of black people coming out in Milwaukee, won in Wisconsin, because of black people coming out in Philadelphia. Yet, what is he doing for black people? What is he doing about the – I don't even call it police brutality anymore, police terrorism. We've – okay, the Department of Justice – Is opening some investigations you saw Andrew Brown was wrongly shot to death on body camera you have a police cover-up going on in Louisiana uh, about Ronald Green and he wants to give more money to police departments under the guise of reform but he won't apologize as the president for one of the biggest race massacres in American history what does that say to you what does that say to you that The Democratic president who ran on restoring the soul of America would not simply say, of course, America owes black people an apology. What does it say to you that this man, and by the way, shame on Bernie and other progressives who weren't for reparations, doesn't believe that the living victims of Tulsa massacre are owed reparations? Well, why would he believe that if he doesn't think the Native Americans are owed reparations? You know, a lot of people uh, pushed out nonsense about Marianne Williams. Doesn't matter if she wasn't your cup of tea, she was the strongest on reparations. So, like we've been talking about, how it's just being normalized that millions of people are going to be thrown into the streets and evicted in a few weeks. It's now the president won't, apolog- won't apologize for the biggest bloody massacre, not the biggest, but one of the most horrific massacres in American history. But, he's, but the Democratic Party coming around midterms is going to be catering, pushing the message to black people. Ooh, we got Trump out. Ooh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, you know, let's finish the job. Keep us in the House. Keep us in the Senate. What are they doing for black people? Nothing. Nothing. Is Biden actively pushing the PRO Act, which would uh, re- revitalize unions or help revitalize unions in this country? No, he's not doing jack shit to push the PRO Act through. Biden going to uh, overthrow the filibuster, which, by the way, Obama, his predecessor, who he loves and throws around BFF bracelets with, when Obama has said it's a relic of Jim Crow. No, he's not touching the filibuster. He's not muscling Joe ba- uh, Joe Manchin uh, for the filibuster, Kristen Sinema for the filibuster, which he's the president. He could muscle them. what's he doing on police reform other than the Department of Justice opening up some investigations? Oh, the FBI is looking into it. Is he saying we need to send therapists into every police department around America, which I think psychiatrists, therapists, social workers, head-to-toe evaluations of every police officer in this country? You would see probably 60 to 70% of their badges pulled if that were the case. Psychiatric evaluations, um, racial bias, none of that. And to me, this is one of the most glaring cases of a Democratic politician lying to Black people because he literally ran. He literally ran on, uh, don't worry about Iowa. Don't worry about New Hampshire. Uh, We don't need to worry as much about getting Trump voters per se.  … Uh, … the, black, the uh, Afri- black Americans will put me over the top. Black communities uh, like me. They trust me. They know my record. He thinks his record is good. So he uh, – I'm reading a book right now about, called Lucky about how he was lucky to get in there, and it basically says he banked his whole campaign on the endorsements of Black leaders and basically taking for granted uh, the Black vote. We know he basically left after uh, New Hampshire, skipped Nevada, went straight to South Carolina. So to me, it's, I mean, again, I'm white, so I, I don't want to speak for black people, but you you don't apologize for the Tulsa massacre. You're not doing anything substantial on police reform, let's face it, neither did Obama. Uh, you're not even actually condemning police officers. Uh, you're not even starting to create conversations around, uh, look at Andrew Brown, Why, for a subpoena or a search warrant, did they have to come in on a truck, you know, armed to the teeth with Call of Duty type weaponry? And immediately after they got off the truck to serve a search warrant on Andrew Brown, they already had their guns pointed at him. That would take presidential leadership to call that out. It's not doing any of it. Yet, I'm sure MSNBC's coverage tonight. I'm sure CNN's coverage tonight, the New York Times coverage is, oh, we've really missed the days of this kind of presidential leadership. Could you imagine Trump having gone down there for this? It's pathetic. It really is pathetic. I mean, this guy is just delusional. I don't know if he's just delusional because he's still living in 1980 or because he's delusional because intentionally delusional so nothing gets done. Biden clings to the possibility of a bipartisan infrastructure breakthrough. The president and his team hold out hope for a deal. They also believe voters will reward them for trying. Huh. The White House continues to see upside to infrastructure negotiations with Republicans, even as the talks run on longer than President Biden initially planned. The president still has faith in his ability to win over reluctant Senate Republicans and advisors see benefits, reputationally and politically in working across the aisle. But Biden and officials insist they aren't going to let the negotiations go on for very long. The president's advisors anticipate drawing harder lines in public over what should be the plan and how they pay for it as Biden prepares to meet with the Senate GOP's leaders next week. Inside the White House, aides are eyeing other possible avenues to pass the infrastructure bill and are pointing to June 9th when House committees dive into a surface transportation bill as a crucial factor in their overall timing. Whether the divides can be bridged in time still appears improbable. Biden remains firmly opposed to Republican attempts to pay for infrastructure projects by imposing user fees and using leftover funding from his COVID relief bill and past pandemic packages. His advisor said Republicans still have to do more to meet the president's sprawling priorities, including fixing transit systems and veterans' hospitals, removing lead pipes, and moving to a greener economy through electric vehicles. All right, I can't really read any more of this. Um, First of all, first of all, I hate to say it, folks. You might disagree. I don't think infrastructure is the biggest priority in America. I think we need to tackle infrastructure. I think healthcare and the minimum wage is more important than infrastructure, in my view. Uh, and will affect more lives than fixing the roads, fixing the trains, and all that. Yeah, I mean the roads suck. We do need, uh, you know, elect more electric, more, more everything. But structurally, structurally, as progressives have pointed out, you need really seven to ten trillion dollars for a real dent in infrastructure in this country. Biden's already talking about going from two point true two point 2. two to one point seven. That is woefully inadequate for the infrastructure problems we have. Secondly, this man is not dumb. He knows this is a road to nowhere with the Republicans. So at a certain point, do you think he's actively trying to pass this or is he trying to let it go, trying to let this go further and further down the road that it will totally be politically impossible come September, October, And he could say, well, we tried, and he has advisors around him saying, oh, even if you don't get it, the voters will thank you for trying to be bipartisan. The voters don't give a damn about bipartisan. They want jobs. They want health care. They want protections from evictions. They want an increase in the minimum wage, and they want an end to the bipartisan uh, corruption that's what the voters want the number one issue during the democratic primary and the election if you look at all the polls healthcare he's talking about infrastructure he knows he's not getting 10 republicans but he's not willing to cut the filibuster so at what point and and by the way you're dealing with a republican party he you know he's dealing with whatever the 7 to 10 ones that aren't qAnon or aren't you know trump acolytes but like mitt romney susan collins Pat Toomey, these people are still bought-off vultures and believe in you know economic versions of social Darwinism. They're not against the evictions. They don't believe healthcare is a right. You're not dealing with people that actually give a damn about creating uh, jobs for working-class people, increasing wages. They care about tax cuts for their donors in the Chamber of Commerce. So at a certain point, when do you have to ask, is this all theater? Is this all for show because what is the actual plan to get this infrastructure bill passed? Why are you preemptively going down from $2.2 trillion when the reality is you're not stupid. You know that they don't want to give you much of anything. You could go down to $1.2, $1.3 trillion. They're not going to fund it with tax increases. They want to fund it with a gas tax and things like this. So you're preemptively giving the store away, going down from an already woefully inadequate $2.2 trillion, when it's not just about they're, – they're not happy. It's not just about the money that's going out. You're not gonna, they're not going to agree with you how to pay for it because they truly believe that they could win back in 2024 and in 2022 with Trump out of the picture and the culture wars. That's what the Republican Party believes. They think let's not alienate Trump's voters, keep hitting on the culture wars, keep hitting on immigration. We won't have Trump uh, you know, antagonizing people, and it will either be Biden, who knows what he's going to look like in 2024, or Kamala Harris, who doesn't exactly inspire anybody. It's, it's theater, and that's why I'm so frustrated right now with the progressive movement being asleep at the switch. Where is the progressive movement challenging Biden on? Yeah, no, healthcare. Yeah, no, uh, the climate crisis. Yeah, no, the fifteen dollars minimum wage. Those are the things you ran on and promised. Not the infrastructure package. We're for infrastructure, and we could chew and walk, walk and chew gum at the same time. But we're not letting you off the hook and pretending that infrastructure will bring us to the promised land. No. We need structural change. We need structural reform. And that is, he needs to be held accountable and moonwalking for, away from the public option, which isn't enough, but at least it would be one for, one step further to uh, Medicare for all, $15 minimum wage. Not, I mean, to me, it's the conservative position and it wouldn't even go into effect for five years. There's no pressure on him right now. Basically, the progressives are acting like, Oh, it's wonderful! He's negotiating with Republicans, yada yada yada. This is a disaster, folks. And as 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 such, unless the progressives are gonna, you know, when I say the progressives, I'm talking about the squad. I'm talking about Bernie. Let me get my handy dandy graphic. Two two two. I mean, look at it. Unless these people start putting up a fight, start demanding he actually push a fifteen dollar minimum wage. Push uh, the public option, which isn't enough but better than nothing, actually do something about eviction protections, actually do something substantial on infrastructure, which, by the way, if they put up a fight, it would galvanize the progressive troops who right now are looking for a leader with teeth. (gasps) That's why Nina Turner's campaign is doing so well. By the way, a new poll came out that she is in a commanding lead in her race for Ohio's 11th district. It is abysmal right now. I haven't seen the progressive movement. Um, When I say the progressive movement, I mean in Congress, this is sleep at the switch since pre-Bernie, since pre-Bernie. It's just crazy. It's just crazy to me. Um, And honestly, Do you expect CNN to challenge him? Do you expect MSNBC to challenge him, the New York Times? They're too busy writing opinion pieces that he is the new FDR. Well, FDR didn't waste his time negotiating with Republicans when he had full control. FDR said to the bankers, "Uh, I welcome your hatred. FDR created a government jobs program during an economic abyss, which Biden could do, by the way. It's just terrible. So, all right, let's spend another month, two months, him negotiating with Susan Collins and Mitt Romney. Uh, maybe he'll wa- water it down to one trillion in infrastructure. We'll get a couple roads, we'll get a couple new highways, we'll get a couple improvements to transit. Democrats will run it, and the numb masses will think, "Oh, this is revolutionary."